Hello and welcome to a Taylor's Tales podcast. This is Chris's Corner. I'm your host, Chris Taylor, and welcome back to a brand new episode. This week, I'm speaking about one of my favourite franchises of all time, one of my favourite games of all time. Uh, It's Kingdom Hearts. Uh, For all of you that know me personally, Kingdom Hearts is my favourite personal game. It is, well, games, plural on this one. Uh, Kingdom Hearts, to me, was something I discovered as a kid. Um, I say discovered, one of my friends, my childhood friends, showed it to me, uh, and I was completely blown away uh, by the graphics, the story, the characters, uh, and the ability to travel from world to world. That still blows my mind, even in 2021, when the game was first released 20 years ago. Uh, Which is crazy to say that a game, even though it's been remastered multiple times, if you play the original, it still holds up. It's still playable, and it's still fun. Uh, and, And for me, Kingdom Hearts is my go-to when I'm feeling I want to go get some nostalgia, I want to feel good, I want to have some nice memories and for those who know the game you'll know how big of a, how fantastic the soundtrack is and how it's got some of these moments that truly stick with you and that if I talk about a place you'll hear the song before I play it. Uh, So in this podcast I'm going to be playing some of the the clips of the sounds in the background to, to really emphasize the importance of how the soundtrack sort of like plays with your emotions, you know? It plays with your emotions because it is one of those games that truly does uh, really emphasize connection with friendships, loved ones, uh, and just all-round feeling. I think it's a game that set me on the right course because uh, it tells uh, gives you a lot of lessons along the way i've just thrown so much at you right there all in one go within the space of like three minutes so uh, i'm gonna slow it back i'm gonna take it back a second what is kingdom hearts for those who don't know i know you've been living under a rock for the past 20 years kingdom hearts is known as one of the most complicated get storyline games of all time but to put it simply it is a game about the main character, Sora, who comes from an island in the middle of, of, of a Caribbean world, basically. And he discovers that he has the ability to wield this thing called a keyblade. Keyblade is, as in the name, a blade that is shaped like a key, and it can unlock and lock keyholes and multiple other things as well. The storyline goes is that Sora, who lives in a ser- you know serene, beautiful island, wants to escape the world with his friends Riku and Kairi. If you haven't noticed so far, these are very Japanese names, and it's because it's made by a Japanese company. Uh, I believe before it was called Square Enix, um, I think it was just called um, Square Soft at the time when I first played it. So it was Square Soft and then it changed to Square Enix in around 2006 times. So they, they were the original company and they're still kicking, they're still about. And there's a lot of Japanese influence because of the Final Fantasy link uh, within the game as well. So I'll get into that a bit. Um, I'm going to try and sum this up within the space of you know a couple of minutes so that you guys don't get bored. Sora tries to escape the world. Even though you're like, why is he trying to escape? 
it's just because he's bored. He, you know, he's 11 years old, even though he looks like he's, he's in his mid-teens. Uh, and him and his friends, Riku and Kairi, they, they tried to, they put a raft together and they tried to get off the island. Sad news is, there happens to be a storm that destroys their raft and Riku and Kairi get swept into the storm or disappear. And Sora disappears with them within the storm. Now the storm is caused by a invasion of these creatures called the Heartless. Heartless are beings of darkness, they're just pure darkness, and they attack all human beings to gain their hearts. They're, that's their only source, that's all they look for, they're just trying to take someone's heart. And in the game, a heart is represented, as you can imagine, by a nice pink heart that comes out of the person if the Heartless gets them, and they are the, the main uh, antagonist for the game, the Heartless and the, the main antagonist for Kingdom Hearts 1. I'm going to stick to Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 for, for this podcast because uh, there's so much extra backstory behind the other games. They're not my favourites. They are. I'm not going to say they're bad games. They, they are good games within the Kingdom Hearts community, but there's a little bit much. So Sora ends up in this random world in the middle uh, of nowhere, in a brand new world. He's He's gone to left Destiny Island and his friends are not there, and he is in this random world called Traverse Town. And so from there, within Traverse Town, he discovers Heart still roaming around. He battles around to be able to find his friends, and he bumps into no other than Disney's Donald Duck and Goofy. Donald Duck and Goofy are within this game, as it's a Disney Final Fantasy mix. Uh, I believe Honest Trailers called it a combination of soy sauce and ketchup. Comes a mashup of franchises that goes together like soy sauce and ketchup. Not as bad as you'd think. Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> and, and said, hmm, not that bad. Uh, it, it, I don't know if that's a good, <laughs> good description of the game, but to me it's, it's funny to, nonetheless. Uh, and it is Final Fantasy and Disney is it's very strange combination, but it is it goes really well, really well together. So Sora bumps into Donald and Goofy, and the rest of the first game is them battling the Heartless to be able to find their friends, and for Donald and Goofy to find King Mickey. King Mickey is the leader of their world, uh, which is the Disney world, basically, the, the home world, basically, of, of all of the, the main Disney characters like Minnie and, and Donald's wife and uh, Goofy and the two chipmunks and all of them all reside in, in that world and, and Mickey is a keyblade bearer as well and he's gone to try and also solve the kingdom, the heartless problem as well. And so Sora and Donald and Goofy, they battle and they meet new people like Cloud and and oh my god Leon and all of the crew of Final Fantasy 7 uh, I, I believe there's a Final Fantasy 9 character within uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 but there's not many other characters apart from from Final Fantasy 7 so you get Sephiroth in there for instance and a couple of others this is already getting way I, I can understand now I'm saying this how it's become more complicated than it is the idea is that Sora Bat battles with Don and Donald and Goofy, Goofy through multiple worlds to defeat the Heartless and, and reunite with his friends. And the whole franchise is literally all about that. That's all Sora does. He battles through 
different enemies to be able to reunite with friends and to make the worlds right and to seal the keyholes and to destroy the darkness. And that's that's all their goal is throughout both Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2. And there is another enemy added in, which is really cool within Kingdom Hearts 2, which I feel like I should split this into multiple podcasts to cover both games, but this is this is a bit of a niche podcast, so we'll, we'll keep it trying at an overview level because I could go really deep with this. So the the whole concept like i said is that they go through disney worlds so when they're battling the heartless they're going from uh, agrabah they go into deep jungle which is where tarzan lives they go into wonderland they go into um i think halloween town you've got monstro you've got um hercules can't forget hercules as well hercules as well the coliseum you've got uh, the t- most the worst world of all time which is uh, Atlantis which is is just uh, whoever put that world together just really wasn't thinking it through and especially in Kingdom Hearts 2 with uh, the idea that having just songs as the battle sequence for the entire world yeah someone was on drugs when they were making that world I'll tell you that right now Atlantica serves no purpose you don't even get to fight the rhythm game has no rhythm it should be removed outright how can I forget within Kingdom Hearts 1 there is also Hollow Bastion which is probably one of my favorite worlds to have ever been created it has so many levels to it throughout the original game it has got this fantastic soundtrack which I'm gonna play right now in the background softly and it's it's got this vibe where it's darkness but it's also originally light uh, the the world itself used to be called radiant garden and then it got corrupted by the heartless and it became hollow bastion and I love that and I love the design of the waterfalls coming down from the castle and the water that surrounds the world and that throughout the, the, the castle has a library and it's got these lifts and it's got dungeons and it's got um, this whole castle sort of deep crest on the side of it with massive heartless sign on the side of it and in Kingdom Hearts 2 they even develop the world even further so it's even greater so it's got its own village as well and you've got this whole town and it's more technical uh, and you get to discover not just the castle you get to discover the town outside of it where it's got all of these like German-like houses which have these uh, sort of wooden outsides with the white and the the people serving you are Disney characters as well, NPCs. So it's, it's got a fantastic, real thought-out design. Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2, the reason why for me they're so good is because the game designers have clearly thought through these world building, the world building. They're not too long, they're not too short, there's enough in there. We'll not talk about Kingdom Hearts 3 because that game pissed me off so hard that I refuse to talk about it anymore. It had 10 years to be put together. They had 10 years. 10 years. Nah. Too much. Anyway, I should move on before I get too frantic about that. So, within Kingdom Hearts 1, like I said, they go through all these Disney worlds. 
Hollow Bastion, you've even got the what the end of all worlds, which is neither a Disney world nor a Final Fantasy world. It is an original Kingdom Hearts world, which is just this almost like space. It's purple background with um, stars and asteroids, and a f you're just like walking on water and rock. And it's got this, it's, it's a world of pure darkness, it's almost like it's empty. And the great, the further you go into the world, the more dark it gets. And then you're surrounded by crystals and black and white, and, and, and there's so much to it. And, and the further you go, the, the tougher the bosses get. It's the whole design of each world has such depth to it. So with the Disney worlds, they've really thought them through. And even though I'm taking the mick out of, uh, you know, Atlantis, even Atlantis in the original Kingdom Hearts, they have created loads of different chambers, loads of different areas for you to go visit, to investigate, to find chests, to unlock chests and get the items out, to be able to battle Heartless in different areas, to be able to find new um, sort of items and get new equipment. And it is, it's a fantastic way to get your player involved in the game when you have depth to each level you're going to. And I do class this as an MMO, not an, an, more as an RPG, because you have the ability to choose which world you want to go to via a spaceship that you get to use as well. And it's called a gummy ship in this game, and you can drive from, well, fly, and, you know, rocket boost through, and you can warp. Sometimes you can manually drive the gummy ship from world to world, battling heartless spaceships along the way, or you can warp between the worlds and just get there as quick as possible. So for me, that is just, man, like, they, they are... Not only are they providing you with, like, sub-battles and sub-games, they're also providing you with this fantastic way for you to personally go from world to world and explore and it's this is 2001 we're talking about guys 2001 2001 this is before skyrim this is before um all of the massive role-playing games this is before uh, xbox 360 when the graphics were insane this game was a predecessor to all the rpgs because it gave you the option to go and explore and it also gave you uh, the ability to level up on each world so you're not limited to the levels that you so for instance one of the greatest things the game designer created was that if you wanted to stay within the tutorial on the original world which is destiny island and you want to level up from level one to level 100 you can do this there is only one opponent on that island and it's one of your fellow islanders who you play this sort of battle game with him where he throws a blue ball at you and you the only way to gain xp is by you redirecting it back at him <laughs> and it's one xp but you still have that ability sorry two xp and you still have that ability to level up and have the choice to be able to be level 100 by the time you reach the first world 2001 i am emphasizing this because it's so important to, to say before any of the other games, before we, we got, like I said, Red Dead Redemption, before you got Skyrim, before you got Far Cry, before you got all of these amazing games that were going to provide the sort of player with all of this choice. And what I would say nowadays is there's too much choice almost. 
is that you had in Kingdom Hearts the ability to take the main character, level up in different areas, be able to explore, to be able to get different trinities. So trinities are a way to get new items just by... Uh, you would be able to unlock a trinity with Donald Goofy. And, for instance, you'd be able to... If it's a green trinity and you'd reached the green trinity level, you'd be able to pull down a ladder just by uh, Donald and Goofy climbing on your back and then pulling down the ladder. You know, simple stuff like that. And the more levels you got up, the more trinities you got, and the more you progressed. Obviously, the storyline allows certain things. There's certain items you can't unlocked, uh, unlock. So, for instance, the ultimate keyblade, ultimate keyblade, I should say, uh, doesn't get unlocked until near end of the game. So they're not allowing you to to get it at the beginning, because <laughs> that would be unfair, wouldn't it? That you're having the best keyblade in the game uh, all the way up until the end. So there is that. Sorry, guys, I'm, I'm a little bit sniffy today. It's, uh, yeah, I think I'm uh, developing a little bit of a cold. Not good. Anyway, so Kingdom Hearts, I, I, I don't think I can explain the entire franchise within the space of a minute. I've tried to explain what the storyline is to an extent. There's so much detail about the bad guys, because while the Heartless are the main antagonist, there's also other bad guys that turn up in Kingdom Hearts 2 and in Kingdom Hearts 1 that you battle. And so it's it's a little bit difficult to explain because of there's subplots within each of the game, but I'll try my best to give an overview just for Kingdom Hearts 1 for now. So like I said, the Heartless are the main antagonist all the way up until I would say Hollow Bastion, which is the second to last world, in which you find out that there's this guy called Ansem. And Ansem is... What it seems to be is a guy of pure darkness who takes over Riku's heart, turns him into a bad guy, and then commands him to do stuff. And he uses Riku to be able to basically unlock darkness into the worlds and bring more heartless. And he tries to take Kingdom Hearts and turn it into darkness. Kingdom Hearts being the world of all worlds which collects where all the hearts come together. And when I say hearts, I mean the hearts of all people. It's the heart of all worlds. So it, so at the centre of all of the worlds that you have, you have Kingdom Hearts. Uh, and it's connected by the door to light and the door to darkness. I don't know if I've explained that well, but that's the, that's the entire plot for Kingdom Hearts 1. And I haven't even talked about some of the characters within it. Like the, I've talked about the, the general gist for the worlds. But for me personally, like I said, the, the best thing about the original game is the amazing graphics, the fantastic soundtrack. Um, if I say Traverse Town to many of you, Traverse Town being the first word you ever hear, it's the soundtrack right now. And it's so... The melody that gets played when you're just walking around the NPCs, the, the non-fighting zone, it's so relaxing, so peaceful, and it sets you up to realize that this is your home world. This is the one that you return back to. And you repeatedly come back to this world on a, on a regular basis as your, like, sort of fortress of, of place. Because it's uh, Traverse Town is a world where people land when they've lot been lost from their original world, where they've been kicked out because the Heartless have taken over their original world. Wow, I am slowly realizing how complicated this game is, even though I think because I've been playing it since I was seven years old, 
uh, it, for me it just makes all makes sense like the whole storyline makes sense from back to front but for people who come into this game yeah it, it probably is uh, a little bit much <laughs> so like I said Travis Town that's that melody um, for me like I said uh, as I played the hollow bastion the other couple of soundtracks that really come to mind when it comes down to anything and one that I may have mentioned recently was that the Colosseum soundtrack for Hercules actually got played in the Tokyo Olympics which is absolutely bonkers and for those Kingdom Hearts fans I doubt there's any listening right now but for those who are keen you will have spotted within the Tokyo Olympics the Colosseum song being played which is bananas absolute bananas that within an actual Olympics a video game soundtrack was played uh, so for me that's abs absolutely mental uh, and Halloween Town has a fantastic um, soundtrack with Jack the Skellington and, and all of his all of the characters for that world I love the design for Sora Donald and Goofy who from each world they go into for the majority of them they change what they look like so for instance within you know obviously within the uh, oh my god it, it really just went from a brain there I had a brain fart totally uh, Atlantis when you're in Atlantis Sora gets a dolphin like lower body and then uh, when they're in Halloween Town, they get all Halloweened up, which is crazy as well. Uh, and I'm trying to think as well. So in Kingdom Hearts 1, I can't think of another world where they change their appearance. Maybe I'm missing something. Aladdin, Monstro, Colosseum, Deep Jungle. No, there's not in Kingdom Hearts, which is really strange. Kingdom Hearts 1, I always assumed they had the costumes. But maybe it's in Kingdom Hearts 2 where you've got, uh, where they meet Captain Jack Sparrow and they get all pirated up. Uh, or, for instance, in Halloween Town in the Kingdom Hearts 2, they get put into Christmas Town gear as well, where they meet and go into Christmas Town within that world. Uh, and then I try to think as well. Is there any? Oh yes, they get to go into Pride Rock, which is where Simba lives, and they get turned into animals, which is hilarious. And Sora's turned to this tiny little cub, uh, and he's just the cutest thing ever. And it's got a fantastic uh, design for him. And he he literally it's Sora's face, but it's it's been sort of designed to look like an a lion, which is crazy as well. Uh, and that I, for me personally, Kingdom Hearts One's probably a fantastic game. My favourite is Kingdom Hearts Two. Kingdom Hearts Two is a you get to revisit the worlds more, and you also have I think a little bit more depth within some of the worlds uh, by revisiting them. And you have a I wouldn't say it's a tougher game. I would say Kingdom Hearts One's definitely the tougher game, uh, especially if you think it's a good if you go from for instance if you don't do what i do where i make sure i'm five levels above the recommended level for each world which are represented by stars when you visit the world i try and get i'm um, five levels above it because if you go into each world just and just cruise through the game for instance you'll get to the final world and you'll be around probably if you hit the final world you're probably going to hit level 50 if you just follow the cinematic 
sort of just storyline. And you get there and you're going to really struggle. You're going to die a lot. You're going to find that your health bar is not big enough to be able to handle some of the monsters that you're going to fight and some of the bad guys. But you can do it. You can get all the way to the end of the game just by doing that. But I would recommend you level up within Kingdom Hearts 1 to be able to have fun in the game not feel like you're dying every five seconds because i remember when i was younger when i first played the game i didn't want to have to level up so i just played all the way into the end just following the the storyline which was originally what got me going and it wasn't until later on in life that i realized i really enjoyed the journey of the process of uh level building but that's another another story altogether so Kingdom Hearts 2, the reason why it's better for me, you get to revisit some of the, the characters that you met from Kingdom Hearts 1. Like I said, they've rebuilt some of the, the worlds that you've been to. Travis Town sadly no longer exists, and the sort of safe haven world is, is what Hollow Bastion, or Radiant Gardens, becomes. And you get another world, which is safe haven, semi-safe haven, is Twilight Town. And Twilight Town also has some of the best soundtracks, so I'll play that now as well. And it's got an absolutely beautiful design. It's the it's like a world that's constantly in a sunset. Always has a sunset. And it's got a clock tower that sees over the entire world uh, of this town with all these little houses with these red um, sort of tiles on top of them and these tiny little houses all throughout the valley and it's got a train go, train station going through it and you see this choo-choo train that, that plummets white smoke out of it and the, a beautiful green hilltop that looks onto the sunset and the game with you've got some, some fantastic new characters that you meet within there you get to skateboard within that world which is so awesome like these side things that you can do you meet the nobodies for the first time which are the opposites to the heartless they're still antagonists but they represent instead of the heart they represent the body so they know body heartless <laughs> you can see the designers the people they weren't really creative in the naming convention so you can tell uh, and nobody's become a full sub plot of the game i'm not going to go through the entire subplot for kingdom hearts 2 because it's so complex uh, and, and I think Kingdom Hearts Heart 1 was kind of hard enough to describe on its own. So if you want to look it up, go look it up on your own. But Kingdom Hearts 2, for me, the reason why it was so good, you revisited worlds, you got new outfits, for instance, you got to have different forms, so Sora could be turned into different forms, and as you leveled up, you got, like, more advanced forms. So you could have wield two Keyblades, or three Keyblades, or even four Keyblades at some point. And you could choose which Keyblade you wielded within each of the forms. You got a different outfit, and it would last for, I think, you know, the, the, the better the form, the longer it lasted. So, you know, you're looking at a minute at the beginning, and then a few minutes afterwards, and you'd have the, a bar that would show you how long you could be in that form for. And you'd be able to destroy all the Heartless by being in the form. It would be a lot easier for you to battle the, the Heartless and the Nobodies in Kingdom Hearts 2. So, yeah. And I think within Kingdom Hearts 2, the developers, this was made in 2006. So you had a five-year gap between Kingdom Hearts 1 and Kingdom Hearts 2. And within that time, that it looks like they really just continued to build upon the playing system, the battle system. And it was brilliant in Kingdom Hearts 1, being able to roll, dodge, guard, 
being able to have multiple combos, different types of abilities that you could equip or unequipped. And Sora could, the, the greater his um, AP score, which is ability points, uh, the greater the abilities you could use to be able to make him do more complex moves when battle. And the whole process of building your AP score to be able to get more moves, to be able to do, for instance, 360 over the head keyblade spinning moves, so you're like spinning the keyblade over your head, hitting the heartless and getting a, a critical point on them. It's a fantastic idea, uh, but you had to be a higher level to be able to do that. And so it would be the same in Kingdom Hearts 2, they took it to a greater uh, level where they continuously had different ways, different abilities that you could unlock. And they built upon the original system where you could, once again, level up in each world and not be hindered for wanting to just level up within that world. You didn't have to continue, you could just stick around, stay in that world, and level grind. And even though the worlds get greater in, in like, difficulty, you would find that they're a little bit easier because you'd leveled up in the previous world. And so you could find new items, you'd be able to really get grips with with the playing system early on and they added new characters one of which was one of my favorites is Sora's nobody which is Roxas I'm not going to explain what you know how that happens because once again that is a subplot within the game if you want to look it up you can look it up and Sora and Roxas have you play Roxas when you first get into the game of Kingdom Hearts 2 and Roxas has is wielding two keyblades at the beginning and you're like whoa what because when you're i think i was 10 years old at that time when the game came out and in the original game sora only ever wields just one keyblade and the idea of going into the next game where you wield two and you're like this brand new character who is he and how can he wield two keyblades and then all of a sudden you go back to Sora and he can only wield one until you level him up and you're just like yeah the whole process is just madness I think for me as well the Kingdom Hearts 2 sort of I wouldn't say storyline itself even though it's more complex I think the bad guys there was so much more depth. You didn't. You met them right at the beginning of the game. In Kingdom Hearts 1, you didn't meet Ansem until right at the end of the game. And it felt like Maleficent was more of the bad guy in Kingdom Hearts 1. She was in it. And she was part of the round table of bad guys. Uh, you know, with in Aladdin, you had Jafar. In, uh, you know, Halloween Town, you had Oogie Boogie. You had um, Ursula in Atlantis. And they were the round table of bad guys where they would, you know, battle against Sora and Donald to be able to get the Keyblade. But in Kingdom Hearts 2, you were introduced really early on to the true bad guys, which are Organization 13. And that's really cool because instead of, you know, just meeting out them at the end of the game and then battling them and not really having any relationship, you met them at the beginning. And they are consistent bad guys throughout the game. And so I really enjoyed that and I really enjoyed uh, Sora getting annoyed by their quips and their, their terrible dialogue. <laughs> uh, but again, I haven't even mentioned that the face design on all of the characters, whether it be uh, in the talking scenes when their mouths are pixelated or when they are doing the cinematic scenes when they're just fully designed. They're, in Kingdom Hearts 2, they're so much better and it's so much uh, well designed. There's no longer pixelated mouths. You are fully getting cinematography the entire time you play the game. Uh, and Donald and Goofy, I would say, 
are more powerful in Kingdom Hearts 2 as well. Kingdom Hearts 1, you feel like you constantly have to heal Donald. You constantly have to heal uh, him all the time. And once in a while, he may heal you back. Uh, but it feels like he's constantly dying. And Goofy sticks around unless it's a super powerful uh, monster. But it, it just feels like you are the most powerful character within the game. And you have to continuously look after Donald and Goofy. But in Kingdom Hearts 2, that's not the case. And they do get more powerful. And you get combos with them, which you can use. Like fireworks coming out of the Keyblade and, and shooting from, from Donald's staff to be able to battle the Heartless and, and uh, make give more damage out. So that's really cool. And being able to do these combos and summoning becomes more fun where you can summon Lilo and uh, sorry Stitch from Lilo and Stitch and you know you can shoot plasma guns out of him and you get to go to worlds like Tron which is amazing I love Tron I love that world uh, and the combo you get to do with Tron is super powerful and so just well designed with the pixels that come out of his control panel that he controls and you press a button and all of the 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 pixels come out of the control panel and uh, attack the heartless it's so and in each of these worlds the heartless instead of like in kingdom hearts 1 where they're all the same throughout the entire world the heartless in kingdom hearts 2 become differently designed within each game world and oh man when when you think about that as well when the bad guys have different designs just like the good guys that's that's when things become just so well put together and yeah for me that's that's crazy when you think how the little details really make a difference and how you want to know the next scene you want to know because the bad guys make a difference and you want to fight, you know, each bad guy you defeat is meaningful. It's not just a side piece to the game. It is continuously progressing you to an overall goal of saving your friends. And I haven't even mentioned that the lessons you learn from both Kingdom Hearts 1 and Kingdom Hearts 2 is that your friends are your power in the game. Like, the Keyblade would leave you at any point, but your friends... They're the true power of the game. And being taught that even when your friend is in darkness, the right thing to do is to try and save them. When you're a kid, when you are new to the world, you're not sure about the world, and you're taught by video games that there's light and darkness, and while you should feel the fear of the darkness, it's still part of life. That's so powerful message to be told to, to kids. And this is one thing I have against when people say they don't like video games. When you are taught by video games that your friends are your power, that you can go on your, out in your world and make new friends and be more powerful and to also fight against the darkness but not to be afraid because it will consistently be there. I mean, you don't realise this as a kid, but you realise that the reason why you love this character so much is because they do the right thing. And that they, uh, one of the the rules that Donald and Goofy has to, to for Sora to being the ship with them and to travel with them is that there's no sad faces, no sad faces, always smiles. I love that. As someone who consistently likes to grin and f have a laugh, and and I I like to think that I'm known for being a smiley person. Is that I got it from that game. Sora was always happy. Sora was always the guy who was gonna. When other people were down, he was going to round them up. And he... People loved him for it. And that's so powerful right there. The ability to cheer other people up when they're down. To bring hope when there is none. 
and to be the light in the darkness when everything feels like it's falling apart. That is true power. And I love it. And I love that game for it because it teaches you a message that very few games do. I mean, nowadays you've got like shooter games and like there's no there's no meaning behind them. There's no message behind them. You just shoot them up, you know. There's very little. I mean, there's a couple of storylines where you, you know, I remember playing Modern Warfare 2 where losing certain characters was meaningful. But that was it. And so... I would say that the reason why Kingdom Hearts 2 and 1, for that matter, are truly the best franchise for me of all time is because it provides meaning. And it to a kid who doesn't realise what they've stumbled into, they've stumbled into a world of, of understanding how to like cooperate with other people. And it's a solo game. I'd like to point out this is a offline, non-multiplayer game. So even though you're on your own, you understand you to go out into the new world. When you go to new worlds, you approach people. What Sora does in each world, he never antagonizes anyone. He goes there to make friends. He goes there to be friends with everyone. And so as he goes from each world, he makes more friends as he goes along. This is just like, you can't teach that. You know, you can't teach that. You can't say to a kid, yeah, you need to, you know, go out and be friendly to everybody but when you see it in a game when your favorite character is doing it it's like hell yeah i'm gonna be the the guy who goes out there and is is nice to everybody without any want or need for their for their love or appreciation so it just does it because of the kindness of his heart and so that that's probably why i love the franchise so much not only because of the humor because of donald and goofy being in the background and being silly but also because of the the love between every, all the characters and how as the story develops, so do the characters, and it's more meaningful if you lose any of them along the way. And it's more meaningful when you have to battle greater challenges and, and, and sort of like overcome barriers and uh, some of the tougher opponents as you play it. Uh, and of, of course, like I said, the music as well plays a huge part in the game. And when you're in tough times and you hear the the music playing in the background and it's intense and you're playing it or when it's sad it's playing some truly sad music it's emphasizes the meaning behind it so yeah for me this is why kingdom hearts is the greatest franchise of all time understanding the the true meaning behind the game and while I've just gone over an overview of why I love the game and certain things about it, I hope you got a little taster of why the game, and if you haven't played it, please go out and play it. So, this has been a Taylor's Tales podcast. This has been Chris's Corner. I'm your host, Chris Taylor. And as always, I hope to see you this time next week. Bye now. That was undeniable proof that we totally owned you, lamers. 